All right, that's why we're all here. Hello, and welcome to Recap on PointCast. I'm your host, Joshua Heitz. First time I got to do this, I'm really excited. Um, On Recap, in case you weren't aware, we do review uh, many of the news pieces that were uh, brought to the Facebook page, and so if you'd like to follow along, you can kind of see what's been going on. And one of the things that I like to do when we do this is I always start with the poll that came out on the last Friday before this show was recorded, and I want all of you guys' opinion just to kind of help everybody in the audience know. I've got Anthony, uh, another podcaster, the the article writer with me. I've got uh, my friend Alex, who was on uh, one of the shows in in the past, or I don't know exactly when these things go, <laughs> but how, however that works, uh, he's back with me. And of course, we got Francine in the building. She's uh, the big boss lady. So um, for all of you here, do you own a firearm? Uh, no. Anthony, no. no. Alex, I certainly don't. <laughs> well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you never expect those questions to come back at you. <laughs> um, not currently. But you have in the past? I have in the past, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I do have a follow-up question for you in a, in a minute. Okay. But... I'll brace uh, myself. Because I, I feel it's important as the as the uh, question giver to also answer some of these myself. Mm-hmm. I don't own a gun, although I have uh, in the past began the process to own a gun and have chosen to stop it. Mm-hmm. Um, a question for you, and I know me and you've talked about this just right. a little bit, so right. if you want to share some, you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, how important is gun ownership to you guys? Uh, you want to start? Let me. Oh, all right. So I'm a pacifist, so <laughs> not, not at all. Okay, that's fair. Uh, I, I, it's somewhere in the middle for me. I mean, uh, I got kids, so like I worry, you know, you always worry about safety whenever you've got a family. Like I, like that part of it, you know, you worry like what would happen if someone broke into my house, something like that. So like, but uh, not a toss at the risk. So it's like I'm, I'm, I'm moderate. Okay. It's like a totally unexciting answer. Right <laughs> yeah, that was not sexy well, at all. Know, <laughs> so, on a per se, um, I want to amend my answer a little bit. Okay. So as a, like as a person, like I said, um, I'm opposed to. I think that there's always a be- uh, non-violence is always the best way of solving conflicts. Mm-hmm. That being said, I think that people's um rights to like that right, the right to uh, defend yourself um, under um, violence and oppression. I think that's important, but I don't necessarily. That wasn't exactly the question, so <laughs> I wanted I wanted to I say I wanted to throw in that, like the caveat of I personally don't like don't exercise it, but I think it's really like but I think it's really important that it exists. I'm inclined to agree. What do you think, Francine? I agree with what Alex said. Um, I, I I grew up in a home where we we had guns. I come from a military family, so it, it was just it was not an issue in my home. It was just a normal, and so I'm comfortable w- with that. But that's not how I believe we should, you know, try to address our problems. For me, it's more like a home protection, like you know, with all of the issues with crime against children and the, these kids that are being kidnapped and what have you. I mean, you worry, you worry and, and you wonder if, if, if you did have a gun, would it give you a leg up to protect yourself against 
or to protect your family. So that's where my mind goes. It's not, you know, so I can go sh have a shootout at the OK Corral or something. It's not, <laughs> it's not like that. It's just you want to protect my family. I think that's probably where most people's idea is. Most of the people that I've talked to about this subject um, generally tend to not necessarily think that gun ownership is bad, mm -hmm. just gun regulation is bad. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty sure we're all kind of in agreement that that's a thing. I don't think we need to go into that mm -hmm. uh, too deeply. Mm -hmm. But um, one of the things that I wanted to kind of discuss as someone who's kind of pinned through the process a little bit, and I, I'd hope one of you at the very least um, had, had kind of gone through the process as well, um, how hard... So you, you don't own a gun right now, but right. you did. You, you had legal gun ownership. I had a shotgun, actually, yes. That actually surprised me. Um, <laughs> it's not what I would have expected in any way, shape, or form. But, you know, you come from a military family, so you know what you do, what you do. Um, <laughs> but uh, my, my question to you kind of is, and I guess, you know, you guys can kind of chime in. And at, at, at any point during this, uh, if you guys want to say something, you don't have to, like, ask me. This is an informal discussion. So feel free to chime in whenever you feel like it. But Francine, specifically, uh, how difficult do you feel like it was to become a shotgun owner? It wasn't difficult at all in the state of Indiana because I didn't have to have any licensure or anything for a shotgun. And um, But for the handgun process, you have to fill out an application. And there's, I don't know if we have a waiting period because I've lived in so many different states, it's gonna run together on me. But in many of the states I've lived in, you have to fill out an application and then you kind of come back when you're in a career and you buy and purchase, you, you take your gun with you. So it's not a difficult process because I don't have anything that would be, I don't have a record of any sort. Okay. I don't have any documented mental or health issues that would cause anybody to pause. So uh, it's very easy. I can have a gun inside of a week. Now that's me. I've just done guns just straight. I was either given like the shotgun was a gift, um, but the the I've never really just gone gun shopping. <laughs> but um, my father thought it was important at one time, so it was like I was brought along. So that's how I learned about that process. I okay. never like yourself. I didn't follow through with it because I thought you know. I don't need an arsenal. You just gave me a shotgun. <laughs> so thank you, uh, and I appreciate your services. And, but, um, but yeah, that, that, that's pretty much all I know about it. Okay. Uh, I, I would say that I have a fairly similar experience. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't until I, because I was given an application as well, mm -hmm. and it, it covers lots of things mm -hmm. like uh, criminal background and mental health and a couple other things right. like that. Same things that seem like genuine mm -hmm. um but after i gave it back it didn't unless these things happened behind the scenes and there wasn't any visibility for me i don't think they really checked anything i'm pretty sure as long as i just said that i was okay on the form they would have given me the gun i just chose not to buy anything yeah i uh, think so actually it's the same for me in fact i could have walked out of there with a the gun that day i'm the one who pushed the issue like shouldn't you file that or <laughs> you... oh you look fine to me you know you as long as you look quote unquote normal you know that doesn't seem optimal. I'm just saying. That, <laughs> no, both of what you've described doesn't seem optimal. Not at all. Not at all. Um, and so we we all we all know, kind of how how important that is <laughs> to be to be optimal. Uh, but one of the things that was uh, recently put on the page, I'm pretty sure you guys may have, may have, may or may not have seen this, is the uh, the situation where those two boys were shot to death outside of the California school. 
and it's bringing up a lot of these kind of school shooting situations. Mm-hmm. And I, I think those have been driving most of the conversation in regards to gun control and responsible gun ownership. Now, I don't believe it's any stretch of the imagination to say that we're all very much against school shootings and, you know, child death. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than maybe limiting people's access to guns, uh, do you think there's a specific way that we can try to combat this right now? Uh, I, I mean, I guess there's some... There, there, there are things you could do that I guess that would limit the the scope of a school shooting, right? Like, like restrictions on magazine size would make it so you couldn't shoot as many people. But if a person really has a deep desire to go to a school and shoot somebody, I don't know how you can stop them completely. That's a kind um, of gruesome thought, too. Isn't it's, it? <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's real sick. I've never, you know, I've, I've never been accused of being like the most pleasant person (laughs) (laughs) but i think that those are important and uncomfortable truths that we need to face Mm -hmm. right because i think the same i'm not i'm not equating these two situations by any means but like if someone really wants to break into your house they're gonna break into your house right there's only so many things that you can do to protect your living space that people can also get around and i think the same could be true the same could be said of people who go into public spaces and you know let out firearms well on, on, on that note, let's. I think we start stop talking about the mechanisms by which people do these things and start addressing the why people are choosing to do these things. Um, a lot of the um, so virtually all the shooters have been say uh, were target um, characterized as lone wolf shooters. They don't have a. Um, manifesto or like a a set of beliefs that they are espousing they're not terrorists they don't have some objective that they're trying to perform they're just angry about stuff broadly and are lashing out at people that they think are responsible and so like in terms of like school shootings perhaps we should address um mental I say um, students mental health and um, uh, their uh, say home life and emotional well-being more than maybe we put more emphasis on um, children I say on children's health rather than children's test scores that is probably true now I think about it I'm, I'm pretty sure the most of the driving force, behind you know school funding and things like that tend to be test scores so if if we did focus maybe a little more on the the challenges that you know the children are facing directly maybe that would give them less reason to want to come and commit acts of violence yeah Yeah. that's that's a that's a good assessment i like that i like that so on something much less uh much less downer. <laughs> We've had healthcare on the brain a lot yeah. this show, and, yeah. and we're going to keep it going, but in a bit of a different light. Uh, one of the most recent things that I found out, uh, and I'm really glad we shared this because it kind of opened my eyes to this kind of stuff, there's a new strain of HIV that was recently found, which, one, I didn't think was possible, and two, right. is further proof that these things are not static, that mm-hmm. these things change and evolve over time. Right. And one thing that the article does a very good job of highlighting is that in many industries, including in healthcare, we kind of stagnate 
Like we fix a problem and then that's kind of it. Whereas the article is calling for more innovation and more research and discovery. I keep hitting this thing. Uh, more research and discovery involving healthcare. And I think that that kind of echoes everywhere, really. Um, so in in specifically, um, unless you guys you know want to talk more about this specific strain, um, how do you how important do you guys feel innovation and continuous improving improvement is in many of the industries we have here in America? Well, I think that HIV um, and like certain cancers have received a lot of attention in recent years as far as um, people knowing more about them in general. And at one time, it appeared like they were raising a lot of money. But I think that sometimes, like you're right, people think that they're done <laughs> um, because they have uh, found out some really interesting things about HIV and how to make it almost disappear with a cocktail of drugs that people take. And for some people, that's become good enough. And now you hear, oh, there's this resistant new strain out there. And it makes you wonder how research is incentivized, like how that all works. And I'm not really sure um, how that works and if that's just another byproduct of our, our imperfect medical system. Mm. All right, so uh, this, is this is personal for me. Um, so I'm a bioinformatician. Okay, I'm a master's student right now, but I'm getting my master's in bioinformatics. Mm. And so like, yeah, like, yeah dis like diseases change but um it's really difficult like you can't be that's not a thing that you can be proactive about mm -hmm. like um you don't know what the steady um what this or i'm gonna call steady state so the new thing that's going to be steady across the population you can't predict that until it happens mm. so there's not like yeah we're always going to be having this war with say with the flu and with um saying with hiv with with any of these diseases it's because that's that's how life works <laughs> okay. so okay. um let's say so like that's just not a thing you're going to ever be able to be proactive about and it's always going to be a thing that you um uh are like are wanting to uh are struggling against but it's also part of why um what you were talking about Francine in terms of why things are funded and how they're funded um we need to maybe take a step away from uh goal oriented uh funding and do more um wholesale, uh, wholesale more um holistic holistic uh funding mm -hmm. so I, I it's not enough to just say well we found this treatment for this disease and we want to like uh, we're just going to use that for forever because it, like that doesn't work you need to understand as the more that you understand about the thing that you're trying to combat the more routes that you have and the more that you know on on how it works and things you can exploit to to fight against it okay interesting i i actually was not aware of that mm -hmm. that is that is very good to know you have thoughts, Anthony? Well, I mean, I guess, you know, Alex, you, I mean, for one, you quite clearly know more about this than I do. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to front. So I was like, listening to what you say, though, like, so I think of, because I know, like, there are antibiotic resistant, you know, uh, all sorts of things becoming antibiotic resistant, you know, like, 
like the like cow like the meat you eat like this is gonna be an, a problem down the road we're gonna have to deal with you eventually but I know you mentioned it's it's tough for us to well that we can't predict it but but is there going to be a way is there currently are we trying to develop a way because it seems like with antibiotic resistant drugs like with meat like waiting until it's too late it's going to be real bad. <laughs> it does sound like that's like, uh, like let's just wait for the plague. <laughs> right, right. And then we can fix it. And then we can fix it. I mean, it's, maybe there's a way to avoid that. So, I mean, sure. So, I mean, um, what we've seen, uh, there are various movements that have uh, been taken since the understanding of uh, antibiotic uh, resistance and knowing how that um, propagates th across the world. Uh, so we, we've seen things like um, people talking about, well, we don't want antibiotic-raised um, uh, animals because, be strictly because by increasing the exposure on the reliance upon this, you artificially select for anything that has any resistance to it at all. Right. And so by so, so by reducing those by reducing the level of antibiotics and the and um, by shifting the um, by shifting the mechanism of those antibiotics, so uh, I don't want to be too too technical here. So um, no. bacteria say, so bacteria A is has um, we exploit weakness A uh, alpha for for this bacteria, but there's also another um, antibiotic that is that um, uses uh, pathway beta, and so by switching back and forth. Or um, or spreading those across in the, like the same region and different regions, you can select. Uh, hopefully, it'll be resist. You know, resist if they're resistant to B, it won't be resistant to A mm -hmm. and things like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. All right. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I feel I feel I feel better. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I believe we all feel a little white now. A weight has been lifted. <laughs> Um, another thing I want to go ahead and bring up, uh, and the article does a really good a job, a really good job of exploring this because uh, one of the major things that it talks about in the article is the passing on of HIV, uh, because obviously it's about you know the the HIV. Well, I was going to say the HIV virus, but that's redundant. Um, <laughs> uh, the passing of it between especially mothers and, and children, mm -hmm. and uh, one of the things that the article says kind of kind of discusses, and there's a there's a couple of links that kind of what's the word, um, corroborate this point, is that some of the uh, HIV-relevant treatments for children are were just bad. They were just very, very bad. Um, and it wasn't until very recent uh, changes to, you know, some of the technologies available in hospitals and things like that that they could make some of these uh, children, you know, avail you know, surviving, basically. Because uh, the major problem, as, as the article puts it, was that you know a mother would a mother with with AIDS would pass down HIV to her children, and while there were mechanisms to know if the children were susceptible, there was nothing they could do about it until the time had already passed and they would have already, you know, been lost to some other disease. So uh, one of the things that I wanted I wanted to bring up with that because it, it wasn't something that I really thought a whole lot about, and I did a, a, maybe some a little additional research on is. Uh, Children have very different healthcare needs than adults, especially since most of their you know systems and bodily processes aren't as efficient or really existent in some cases. Mm -hmm. So, uh, 
there are lots of treatments for children that are in the same situation as HIV, as, as in they are lagging farther, much farther behind, uh, both efficiency and um, availability mm -hmm. for children. Mm -hmm. And one thing I wanted to go ahead and get you guys' opinion on is that, well, I know only two of you actually have <laughs> <laughs> children, but uh, you know, have, have, you, have you had any major healthcare issues in regards to your children and, and kind of how, how did hospitals go about handling that? Did, did that seem to be too inefficient to you? I wasn't aware that this was a problem that we were facing as a country. I mean, I, didn't, I, I guess my, my kids, we didn't have anything that would, that would be on that level. Um, I had a, our son when he was when he was born. He was in the NICU for a while. Um, he was just, he was having trouble, you know, breathing and and things like that. Um, we it was, I mean, that was great, you know, rough time for us, but they 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 were good. Um, the other one, and this isn't this isn't this isn't a disease, right? But our oldest has autism. Mm. And so we have quite a bit of interaction with healthcare and providers and wait list and does this work? Does that work? How do you get her to stay in school? You know, we've we've gone around and around and around, you know, with all of these systems. We've we've paid out of pocket to get her private insurance so she could go to a special school. And that was that that couldn't have been. Yeah, that was not fun. <laughs> Robin Peter to pay Paul for <laughs> quite a while. Uh, um, uh, so we had that experience, but you know, we'll be on wait list for weeks and then we'll get someone who's good and then she'll quit after like a month and a half because she uh -huh. found a new job and then you're back on the wait list again and you're like, uh -huh. oh, uh -huh. it's cool, waiting for service again. <laughs> and yeah, it never yeah, stops. Yeah, yeah. Um, currently, she's been kicked out of school, like suspended like nine times this school year oh, goodness, for various man. aggressive actions against a teacher and you know, um. So, what are we gonna do about that? So, I'm I'm familiar with that. Um. It's it, it's a nightmare. I mean, to put it bluntly. <laughs> yeah. My, you know, we we have some similarities there. I my um, son was in NICU after he was born because of breathing issues. He just wasn't consistent with that, and um, you know, we never really discovered what the issues were other than, you know, just looking for him to age out of it. He was what they would call a, he might've been a SIDS baby in the, in what they had seen before. So um, my response to that was to when I, after looking for some care and some, some support that we could trust and not being able to find it or getting waitlisted was quitting my job and being coming a full-time mom as opposed to at that time I was a career Mom, I was in corporate America, you know, doing my thing and enjoying what I was doing, but I became a mom. And I had to take center stage because <clears throat> we didn't have the funds to get beyond a wait list. Mm. Our, our insurance parked us and parked our needs. And, um, and then later in life for any additional care, because later found out that he was on the autistic spectrum, you know, dealing with that frustration you know, I, we just went the regular route. There was just too many because you you fall in love with a counselor, right? And then they have an epiphany that they don't want to do what they're doing anymore. And then they, so it's, it, it care for children is, almost feels like it's an afterthought. I've, I yeah. feel like <laughs> everything that I've read supports that notion. Mm -hmm. And 
part of me wishes that there was more that I could do about it because that that feels like something that we can't ignore, mm-hmm. right? Like we right. we need to make sure our children are healthy. That way, we have adults. Otherwise, <laughs> we won't have adults. <laughs> so, like that was just mind-boggling to me to right. learn both from this article and from the other things that I read. And I was just like, wow, why why are some of these things that are like critical conditions, like people die from these, mm-hmm. why are these things like just not not well, even with the breathing thing, we got sent home after a week with a like an apnea monitor with an alarm on it, and they taught us CPR and they wished us well, and, uh, and that was it. And good luck. And that he should grow out of it by the age of two. Uh, so <laughs> that was that was the prescription for success. And the reason why I took it so seriously is we met a, another couple who was going through the same thing, and she went back to work, and her husband went back to work because. Um, he didn't really have his job did not allow fathers to take leave so he took up all of his vacation and then he had to go back to work and so what happened was they both went back to work and their daughter died and so that really incentivized (laughs) me staying with my son and giving up you know you you work really hard I was three seats down from the CEO of a major corporation And I had to choose, and it, to be honest with you, it was, an, it was an easy choice in the regard that I wanted my son to live, but the hard reality of needing the resources to help improve his quality of life, it, it, it became hard to you know kind of face that reality later down the line. I think that that's, that's what, kind of what you just mentioned is in my mind kind of the major sentiment behind why people are very unhappy mm-hmm. with healthcare as of right now is that for the most part it really just doesn't offer you the resources to handle things that come up and obviously no no parent wants you know things like that for their children Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean it's not a reality you have to live through Mm -hmm. and not being able to get the support for that is I can only imagine what you would have gone through mm-hmm. as a parent. Hopefully, it's not something I, I wouldn't wish that upon my no, wish. I wish wish it on <laughs> so, yeah. um, Oh my God! Wow. Okay, I'll try not to be done. <laughs> it's right. a rabbit hole. Just keeps going down. <laughs> right. So, not to be a medical apologist here, because <laughs> what? Actually, like we're obviously describing like very real, like very real problems that affect people and. Um, they shouldn't be dismissed or, or diminished by anything that I have to say right here. Just um, to, to be fair, but to be balanced. Um, so, honestly, uh, so yeah, children are um, really complicated. Uh, for like, and studying them is even more complicated <laughs> for a variety of reasons. Parents might agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Try raising so, them. Oh, I, 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 I can't only imagine <laughs> um so what so like gathering data let's say so uh, gathering data on like uh like children um is like it's, it's really difficult mm. um because like they're like because uh rightfully so like our society we in, like we care about our children and parents care about their children and so they're like they're not very willing to submit them to tests especially for like say for research and honestly, uh, and, and there are a lot of like hur- hurdles like in, involved in that. So like this, there's a lot of information that's just um, 
No, there's a lot of stuff that's just not well studied. Mm-hmm. But in addition to that, it's a lot more complicated, especially because you're talking about things that, like, in adults, you have, like, a really robust immune system. And so... Um, we can, you say being exposed to like a sh- like to a couple of shots for like diagnostic testing and for treatment is fine because you just have this really robust immune system and you don't have like many like um, any problem that does occur won't propagate in the same way that's going to occur for a child because they're just smaller than you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That. I'm glad I brought you here. <laughs> you, I, you just, you, you're bringing up lots of things that I would have no, I would have had no reason to think about. Because mm-hmm. I, I mean, in my mind, like, why, why wouldn't there be people who know about right. these types of things? Mm-hmm. But you're right. I, I, I feel like if I was a parent, I would not subject my child to nope. any sort nope. of <laughs> clinical trial test, sure or whatever. It. So I get that. I, yeah. I fundamentally. I'd be like, figure it out. That. Francine probably feels the same way, but like once you've seen your child in the NICU, you're yes, like, it changes. I, I, I will never let you hook my kid up to anything ever, ever again. Ever. I saw them ever. in a little tube, yes, for weeks, mm-hmm. and was like, "Are you gonna die?" Yeah, <laughs> I will never mm-hmm. subject my son to and every wire possible. Yeah. It's like there's no more room. Okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, After that, oof. no. I can see why a parent would be like, nope, Mm-mm. nope, nope, you're good. No. You're somebody else's kid. Yeah. There's probably <laughs> some parent out there that sees some bigger picture. I'm not her. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yes, okay. Uh, well, yeah, that was that was um, the majority of what I had for you guys. So I, I definitely appreciate you being here. Um, this was definitely a fun conversation. We should definitely do this again. Um, <laughs> less depressing <laughs> yeah, absolutely. so yeah uh, especially you guys at home thank you for sitting in with me and uh, this has been an epi- another episode of Pointcast Recap uh, follow us on Facebook and visit our website on pointcast.news also if you can check us out on Apple Podcasts we're there too other than that hey Gail we're out